0: Let us turn in God's word this morning to Matthew chapter 21, Matthew 21. For our scripture reading, we will read the first 22 verses of Matthew 21. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives. Then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass And the colt and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers. And the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, that ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, They were sore, displeased, and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only. And said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Thus far, we read God's holy and inspired word. May God bless His holy Scriptures unto your hearts. The text that we consider for the sermon this morning is verses fifteen and sixteen of Matthew twenty-one. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, "Hosanna to the Son of David." They were sore, displeased, and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, we consider this morning the praise that the Children sang to Jesus in the temple as well as the criticism that the chief priests and the scribes gave of this praise, and then as well Jesus' defense of that praise. We use that as our divisions this morning, considering this text under the theme, Jesus praised by children. First we'll look at the praise that was given. To Jesus, second, praise opposed by the chief priests and scribes, and third, the praise received. We must understand something of the context in which the children gave this praise unto Jesus. The day that they gave this praise unto him was Monday. And just one day prior, on Sunday, Jesus Christ had entered, in his royal entry, into Jerusalem. He had ridden into town on the colt of an ass. He did so in fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, which prophesied that the king would come unto the meek, and sitting upon an ass and a colt, the full of an ass. As Jesus Christ had entered Jerusalem, there were great crowds of people that had come to witness this event. There were some people that removed their garments, took off their coat, outer clothing, and cast their garments upon the ground. There were others who cut down branches, palm branches and cast those branches on the way as Jesus entered to, entered into town. As they entered, as he entered, the people cried out in song unto Jesus. Verse 9. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Remarkably, the same crowds of people who gathered in Jerusalem who were on Sunday saying, Hosanna unto the Son of David, would also be gathering together on Friday when the trial of Jesus Christ was taking place and cried, crucify him, crucify him, Release unto us Barabbas. Now, the text that we consider today, the Sunday is come to an end, and it is Monday. Earlier on Monday, Jesus had gone into the temple. He's still doing his father's work, the business that his father has given him, to do. He went into the temple and there he found the temple in disarray. The people had come into the temple for the celebration of the Passover. They had set up tables in the house of God and there they were buying and selling, selling doves. And so Jesus went around, according to the 12th verse, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. This was the second time in Jesus' ministry that it was necessary for him to clean out the house of the Lord. They had not learned the first time, and so he taught them again, the second time, the importance of sanctifying this House. After then driving out those who desecrated God's house, he performed the miracle of healing. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them and restored unto them their eyesight. It is in that context, beloved, that then crowds of children gathered in likely the courtyard of the temple. This was not something that had been planned ahead of time. The children were not coached or instructed by their parents to stand in a certain position, to stand in rows in the temple... But instead, the children, guided by the Holy Spirit, broke forth in spontaneous song unto Jesus. The words of their, their song that they sung was a short. They cried in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Who was it that sang this song? The text uses three different words to describe the singers. In verse 15, they are described as children. The children crying in the temple. In verse 16, in Jesus' answer, he, quoting the psalm, refers to them as babes and suckling. Children, babes, and sucklings. The the scriptures do not specify precisely what was the age of these children, but likely there was a range of ages that were represented. These children evidently were old enough to be able to learn this song. They likely learned it the day prior, when Jesus had entered Jerusalem and the crowds of people sang, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. These children, now the day following, repeat the chorus of this song unto Jesus. Jesus. Hosanna to the son of David. As the children sang this song unto Jesus, the children gave an expression of their theology. It is striking in this song how doctrinally accurate they are in the words that they gave unto Jesus. They confessed in this song that Jesus is the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. Jesus is royalty, for he is one of the great, great, great grandchildren of David, who sat upon the throne. And just as David ruled over the covenant nation of Israel, just as David took seriously the responsibilities that he had to protect Israel, to fight in defense of this nation, to ward off the enemies, and to provide for this covenant nation. So it is that Jesus, who was the son of David, took seriously the responsibilities that he had as the royal king appointed by God himself to rule over this nation. The children understood that Jesus Christ was royalty, and their song gave expression unto that. Hosanna to the Son of David. As well, the children were theologically accurate in their song with the word Hosanna. The word Hosanna means save now. Save us, we plead of thee. The children, in giving this song unto Jesus, were confessing their dependence upon Jesus. They understood, even as children, that they needed to be saved. It is not likely that when the children pleaded of Jesus, save us now, Hosanna, that the children had in mind some sort of physical deliverance, a physical deliverance from Herod's rule, so that they could establish their own physical kingdom. Unlikely, because otherwise Jesus would have corrected them. As on so many other occasions, Jesus corrected those who had the wrong notion that his kingdom was physical. But rather, the fact that Jesus Christ approved of these children singing Hosanna to the Son of David indicates that these children had a correct understanding of the salvation that they sought from Jesus. When they prayed Hosanna! that is, save us, we beseech thee. What they were asking of this son of David was that he would deliver them from their sins. So this is the confession then that the children of the church make. Save us, Jesus, from our sins. Save us, deliver us. When we have sinned against thee, save us when we have lied to mom and dad about what happened when mom and dad were gone. Save us when we sinned against the classmate, when we hurt the brother or the sister, Forgive us, Jesus, the sins that we have committed against thee. Hosanna to the son of David Saying is said that the devil comes into the church by way of the song of the church. How important it is that the songs that the church sings be theologically accurate. The songs that the children sang on this Monday unto Jesus could not be criticized for being doctrinally incorrect. But they sang... Truth unto Jesus. But not only was it the case that they sang that which was doctrinally correct, but their song also was a song of praise unto Jesus. Theological accuracy must always be accompanied by a sincere desire to give worship and praise unto God. The songs which are sung by the church must be bold. They must be, on the one hand, correct, according to the doctrines and, the script- and teachings of the scriptures. But on the other hand, the songs that the members of the church sing unto God must be given to the glory of God's name. How excellent is his name in all the earth. The children, as they gave this praise unto Jesus... Gave their praise publicly. They were not ashamed of the fact that they, in this venue of the temple, were breaking forth in spontaneous worship to Jesus Christ. What adult would have dared to do that? As adults were too careful. We think through the implications of what would happen. Is this going to be socially acceptable for me to give praise in this venue? And then for fear of embarrassment, adults oftentimes hold back. But the children unrestrained, unashamed of their affection for Jesus Sang in the temple, Hosanna to the Son of David. They praised him by quoting the scriptures. Hosanna to the Son of David is a quotation of part of Psalm 118. Psalm 118 exalts Jesus Christ as the head over the church. He is the stone which is refused, he has become the headstone of the corner. He is the blessed one who comes unto his people in the name of the Lord and whose right hand does valiantly. And so the children sang, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord, send now prosperity. The 25th verse of Psalm 118. These children looked for the Messiah, and having found him, they worshipped. But not all were pleased with this praise. Indeed, many who heard this praise were opposed to it. The chief priests and the scribes, according to the end of verse 15, were sore, displeased, and said unto him, Jesus, Hearest thou what these say? It's interesting, the reason for the anger of the chief priests and the scribes. It wasn't the case that the chief priests and the scribes were only irritated by the song that the children had sung. Maybe it was the case that the children were Out of pitch in singing this song. Well, then maybe we could be a bit more understanding of these chief priests and scribes if they had to sit through a song that was sung out of harmony. But it wasn't a fact, merely that these children sang a song that caused the chief priests and the scribes to become angry. But the text tells us that it was the culmination of several events that led to the frustration of the chief priests and the scribes. Verse 15. When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple that then they were sore, displeased. They had witnessed him yesterday as he had entered into town and as people had laid down their garments and palm branches on the ground. They had witnessed earlier on Monday how Jesus Christ had gone through the temple and had, in a miracle, driven out all those who bought and sold. They beheld how he healed the blind. And then, on top of all of that... They heard the children now singing praises unto Jesus, and that was more than what these chief priests and scribes could handle. They vented. Those who were supposed to be the experts in the law, who were supposed to understand the Old Testament scriptures. Came to Jesus and lamented. Hearest thou what these say? The internal displeasure that they felt within their hearts boiled over in words that they dared to speak unto Jesus. They did not go directly unto the children. And tell the children, be quiet. They did not seek themselves to silence the children. And come with an explanation of why they were silencing the children. They did not go directly to the children and say, children, this is blasphemy. Perhaps that would be their accusation. This is blasphemy to say that this man is indeed the son of David. They did not go unto the children and say, children, this is the temple. There's supposed to be quiet and peace and orderliness that characterizes us as we come into this place of worship. Shh, be quiet. Don't make any sound as you come into this house. No, instead they went unto jesus you see jesus was the one who ultimately was the object of their frustration and their hatred the song of the children was the occasion for them to come unto jesus but the deepest reason that they spoke in frustration was they despised jesus Their words were an attempt to win Jesus over unto their side. Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Do you behold how these children are disrupting order and decency in this house? Jesus, after all, you should be concerned about this because you're the one who just drove out the buyers and the sellers from the temple. And so if you don't want the buyers and the sellers in this temple, you better tell these children to be quiet as, well, Jesus, do you hear what these children say? The opposition of the priests and of the scribes reveals the devil's opposition to the inclusion of children in the church of Jesus Christ. The chief priests and the scribes, learned men in the law, yet who opposed the praise given unto Jesus, picture the kingdom of darkness, which is opposed to the kingdom of Christ. The devil does not want God's children worshiping Jesus. The devil does not want them coming to church. The devil does not want them lifting up their voices in song to Christ, the eternal King, whose reign is without end. He will use whatever means necessary to express his displeasure of children coming into church. And whatever means necessary to prevent them even from stepping foot into the church of Christ. The devil pays especially close attention unto children. He takes a keen interest in them. In part, the devil sends forth his flaming arrows, especially unto the children, because the devil understands that the children are vulnerable. They are the little lambs of the sheepfold. And even as that little lamb is defenseless against the wolves, and the lions so it is that by nature the young members of the church are quite defenseless before this great enemy part of the vulnerability of the children is that they are impressionable and so the devil seeks to influence them at a young stage in life, so that they would turn away from worshiping God. But that's not the only reason why the devil seeks to prevent children from coming into the house of God. There's a deeper reason. And that's this. It's because the devil understands that children are included in the covenant of God. The devil knows the words that were spoken to the patriarch Abraham thousands of years ago. The promise is unto you and to your children. A promise that was repeated in Acts 2, verse 39. The promise is to you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The devil understands that the redemption, salvation that Jesus Christ gives unto the members of his church is a redemption that is given merely of grace and not of works. The devil understands that even those who are infants, before they can even sing a single word of praise unto God and unto Jesus, already are incorporated into that fellowship, that covenant fellowship. The devil, understanding that little lambs are included in the church of Jesus Christ, seeks especially then to attack The little sheep, the little lambs of the church. How then does the devil attack the children of the church? Notice what the scribes and the priests did in this text. They did not go directly to the children and say, You be quiet but they tried indirectly to get to the children by means of an authority figure they went to Jesus and tried to convince Jesus to silence the children that's precisely how the devil tries to get to our children He is very subtle. If he can get dad and mom on his side, if he can get the school teacher on his side, if he can get the church to silence the songs of the children, then the devil has his victory. At times, the devil uses a desire for peace, for quiet, and for orderliness to trump a desire for the children to be present and engaged in the worship services of the church. Just as the scribes and the Pharisees understood that the temple should be a place of quiet and reverence and respect, and used that logic to argue that the children should not be singing here in the temple, so it is to this day. It can happen even in the public worship service, that there is such a desire for peace and quietness in the worship service that some would be inclined to conclude that it's better that the children simply be left out of the worship service. And perhaps then we start something that is geared more specifically toward the children. We have a class that is taught simultaneous to the preaching of the word, a class that is taught for the children in a different place. And so the children then are no longer welcomed into the house of God. But there's another way that the devil tries to silence the songs of the children. And that's by ignorance. The devil would have the children of the church become ignorant so that they cannot articulate a confession of faith in the form of a song. This can happen so easily in the home. The devil tries to convince mom and dad that you don't need to teach the children the songs of Zion. You don't need to educate the children about the truths of God's Word. After all, life is hectic and busy. And now you're going to take even more time to sit the child down and try to teach the child these songs. I do here want to give a word of encouragement to parents, fathers, and mothers. It is not my intention here to shame parents It is my observation that parents already deal with a lot of guilt when it comes to the work of rearing up children. Fathers, and perhaps especially mothers, reflect on the labors that they've done with their children and see that they've fallen short in so many regards in rearing up children And so the goal here is not to heap yet another layer of shame upon mothers and fathers for failures in parenting. But rather, the goal here, beloved, is to encourage you in this work. You are able, as you you are partakers of the grace of life, to teach your children the songs of the church. I know that you are already working hard to rear up your children. You are leading by your example. You are teaching as you are able. Now I encourage you, continue in that work of giving unto your children that precious heritage of the word of God you are fighting against a strong strong enemy who would have you become discouraged and who would have you throw up your hands in despair and say I cannot do this anymore but be encouraged young mothers and young fathers especially by the response of Jesus Christ Although the chief priests and the scribes opposed this praise, Jesus Christ received praise even from the little children. He received their praise by defending the fact that they gave in this public venue a song of adoration unto him. He defended them by quoting the holy scriptures. And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read? Oh, how incriminating that must have been to the so-called experts in the law. Have you never read? Come now. You're going to come to me and tell me to silence these children. Have you never read the Holy Scriptures? That's how Jesus Christ oftentimes responded to temptations, quoting the Old Testament scriptures. He did not feel the need to formulate his own response to them, but he relied upon the sufficiency of the word of God. Have you never read? He then quoted Psalm 8, verse 2. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise? Always God will be praised. Praise will be perfected. That is, praise will be completed unto God. God has determined already how much praise must be given unto him. As it were, there is a cup, and that cup must be filled all the way up to the brim with praise that is given unto God. God is capable of using whatever means necessary to fill up this cup of praise unto Jehovah God. And so if the chief priests and the scribes are going to be silent and not give praises unto God, that God is capable of perfecting praise out of the mouths of babes and sucklings before these babies even can express a coherent sentence, before they could even say the word, Hosanna, save us now, we beseech thee. God is capable of using the cries of babies to give praise unto him. And if not only the scribes and the priests are silent, but also the children are silent, then God will use rocks to cry out in acknowledgment of the fact that he is God. He will be praised. Praise that the children gave unto Jesus encouraged Jesus in his labors. As the servant of God, according to his human nature, Jesus Christ knew that he must submit to his Father's will for him. He knew that the cross was near. He knew that he must lay down his life for sheep, even for the little lambs. He knew that he would enter the Father's kingdom by the way of deepest humiliation, reproach, and agony in his soul. It is in that context that God ordained that these children would come to Jesus and sing praise unto him. Jesus was encouraged to press on in the work. A few days later, as the bloody sweat was pressed out of him in the garden, Jesus could recall to mind the faces of those who adored him in the temple. Let us then give our praise to God. We join with the angels in singing Revelation 9, verse 6. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, thou art the sovereign God who sets the wicked in derision and who uses even the mouths of babes and sucklings to still the mouth of the enemy. We thank thee for the children of this church. We thank thee for their place within thy kingdom. wilt thou bless them and cause them to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? And wilt thou forgive us our sins? Amen.